The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. As Jesus continued his journey to Jerusalem, he traveled through Samaria and Galilee. As he was entering a village, ten lepers met him. They stood at a distance from him and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. As they were going, they were cleansed. And one of them, realizing he had been healed, returned glorifying God in a loud voice, and he fell at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus said in reply, Ten were cleansed, were there not? Where are the other nine? Has none but this foreigner returned to give thanks to God? Then he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has saved you. The Gospel of the Lord. be with you. As you may recall, last October, we had a, a message series focused on what it means to be a Christian. And perhaps it's not the most common within the Catholic context that one week has a message that goes along with the following week and you kind of do a message series. But every October, we're, we're going to offer a few ideas about how we can live our lives as Christians in a deeper way. Last week, Father Richard talked about the duty we all have to take personal uh, responsibility for growing in our faith. And this week, we're talking about worship. We have a beautiful story from the gospel, but I'll dive into that in a minute. I'd like to just share a little personal experience. Before I came to St. Gabriel's uh, two and a half years ago, I was a priest mostly working in Latin America and, and Haiti and, and Mexico and uh, Guatemala. I didn't live down there full time, but I would live up north in a, a large city that I'm not going to name. It's kind of a windy city, sort of give you an idea where it might be. Um, but I realized a couple months ago that the two and a half years at St. Gabriel's have been the happiest years of my priesthood. So that's about 12 years in total. So that tells you a little bit about my experience coming to St. Gabriel. Something was different, but at first I couldn't exactly explain it. And I still can't explain it, but I do think that something about how we worship has to do with why it's such a joy for me to come say mass up north. I wish I could say that, but I often was dragging my feet to go say mass. I didn't have a parish because I was so often not there, so I was uh, officially in that archdiocese one of the rent-a-priests. That meant I, you know, I took over for when a priest was sick or on vacation or something happened. I would go north, south, east, and west, I got to see most, much of the archdiocese, and uh, even though there was often some new place to visit, I kind of, after a while, got to know exactly what I was in for, and that's why I would be dragging my feet. 
You see, something was happening there. Most of the parishes were slowly dying out. There were funerals, but there were no baptisms and weddings. It was mostly an older crowd, which is great. That wasn't the problem. The problem was there wasn't a younger crowd. The, the kids and grandkids of that parish, simply for different reasons, had moved on from the faith. And so little by little, the church, the parishes up there were sort of turning in on themselves. There wasn't a whole lot going on. So what do we do as a parish? And a lot of their projects were things like organizing bingo nights and bridge nights and spaghetti luncheons. And the priest's job was sort of to be the entertainment for that spiritual country club, right? Tell a funny story and, and uh, you did your job. And also you're supposed to make sure the spaghetti luncheon has good spaghetti, right? And it has to be better than the next door parish for sure. So uh, I kind of went dragging my feet. There was this one parish which I really was, had a hard time at. At the end of Mass, after communion, you know, there's that time for announcements, which we don't really do here. But even though there was a bulletin in every parish, and most had probably read it during the whole Mass anyway, there was a need to read the bulletin to us at the end. And I was just the guest rent the priest, so I couldn't stop it, but there'd be a guy who'd come up and give a five-minute color commentary, play-by-play -play on the bulletin. And um, you know how some people sneak out the back door after communion? I'd have been there with them if I could. I honestly, like, I was stuck. I couldn't leave, but I was, I was very jealous of them getting out early. All right, that's an example, perhaps, of a church that's no longer worshiping the way that we are called to. It's not life-giving. If you showed up there, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get a whole lot. You'd have been asked for money at least three times, though, right? The Bible today gives us a little bit of a different view of what it means to worship. The Old Testament reading is simply to say, we pair the Old Testament with the New Testament, Naaman the Syrian, who doesn't like Israel, he's an enemy of Israel, but he has leprosy, and he's desperate for a cure. So he gives the holy man of Israel, Elijah, uh, an opportunity. He goes there and asks for healing. And Elijah, the message is, only God can heal which is what happens to Naaman. He goes into the River Jordan seven times and he's healed. So the message of the Old Testament is only God can heal you. So if we go to the New Testament, these 10 people, these men and women are coming to Jesus because they know he's the Messiah and they ask him for healing. And in the time of Jesus, if you had leprosy, that was probably one of the worst things that could happen to you. Because it was so contagious, the only thing they could do was to basically cut off anyone with leprosy from the community. You had to quarantine outside of the village. And it's nothing like our quarantining during COVID. There you were outside of the village, you said goodbye to your family, you never came back, and you'd have to scrounge in the wilderness for something to live on. The only way you could come back was if you were cured or healed somehow, you would first go to the priest at the temple and he would declare you clean and then you could go home. So these men and women who have leprosy are certainly suffering an unbelievable situation. They haven't been home in years. And when Jesus says, go to the priest and show yourselves, 
they're sort of confused because they're not exactly cured yet, but on the way, they receive the miracle. And any one of us who would have been there would have probably been like the nine who just ran to the temple to get publicly declared clean and then run home to see your loved ones whom you hadn't seen in years. Well, the one, though, stops and he thinks to himself, he realizes in some way that only God can heal. I was face to face with God in that holy man of Nazareth named Jesus. So he returns and he worships. And then Jesus does something for him far greater than healing the, the leprosy. We sort of forget that part, but Jesus says, your faith has saved you. The ones that had been cured of leprosy, Jesus gave them the miracle of healing their skin condition, but they were still going to die eventually and probably at the time didn't have very long life expectancy. So Jesus was basically making their lives here on earth a little bit more comfortable. But he didn't say to them that they had been saved. It was only the man who came back, who worshipped. Then Jesus gives him the greatest grace of his life by saying, you are saved. And it's interesting to note that Jesus says this was a Samaritan, which meant he wasn't someone who went to church on Sunday, at least not in the Jewish sense. They were sort of separate. It was a man who, who, who wasn't, you could say, following the externals of his faith, but he had a heart that worshipped. Perhaps part of that negative experience I had often up north was because we weren't really worshipping. We were there to just get something. You know, it's, it's a temptation. You come to God because you have a need. I want something, and as soon as you get something, it's easy to forget about God and just sort of go back to your life you weren't really there with God to simply be with him and worship. And so the invitation I would like to make to all of us, first is to, I'd like to say thank you. I don't drag my feet to come here to St. Gabe's to say Mass. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But let us also make sure that we go into our hearts and, and ask our Lord for that grace of true worship. When God touches you, your life is changed. And that's part of our duty here at the church to help make sure that God can truly touch each one of us. If we come in and we're just asked for money all the time, you're not really going to feel God touching you, right? So we don't ask for money here except for once a year, and that's next week. So get ready, okay? <laughs> we want to be a community that worships in a beautiful authentic Christian way, and that will change our neighborhood. It will change your marriages. It'll change your families. It'll change where you work, where you study. Being a Christian is awesome and beautiful when it's done right. Let's pray that today that we truly are Christians in the deepest, most beautiful sense. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.